And it's for that reason that we have come here and the world has gathered all around the world in places just like this. So why don't we take a moment and talk to the one who left that empty tomb. Almighty God, thank you for the privilege that you've given to us and hundreds of millions like us all around the world to gather on this Easter Sunday. Like Pastor Chuck said, I wonder what it's been like for you in heaven, O oh God, as you have received Asian worship today from all over Asia, hundreds of millions of people. And you've received African worship already. And you've received worship from the Middle East, even from people like us in Jerusalem itself. You've received Central Asian worship and European worship and South American worship. And finally, it's our turn in North America to praise you and thank you, God, for what Easter is all about. Thank you that in this nation we still have the freedom to gather like this. Thank you for the power of the songs that have challenged us this morning to consider the truth of Easter. It's not just a historical moment in time. It's a life-changing event. So God, could I ask, please, that in these, in these next moments, you would speak powerfully to each of us so that when we leave here in a few minutes, we leave as different people because of Easter Sunday. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I greet you and I say welcome on Easter Sunday. And it's been wonderful to have a lot of children with us up to this point, but I see my wife and a few other dear adults standing in the back who've been preparing to receive your children. So the little ones up through grade four, if you're still with us, I'll dismiss you to them. We're ready to receive you, and they've got some special things for you in the next few minutes. While they go, could I ask you to just do this? Put your hands in front of you, if you wouldn't mind, kind of like this, with a space in between the two of them. Could I suggest that your left hand represents not just the lifetime that you have lived up to this moment, but all of history going all the way back. And your right hand represents the rest of your life, but also all of eternity going forward. And in between the two is today, Easter Sunday. I wonder what might happen in your life today that builds on what your life has been up to this point and has a significant effect on the rest of your life. Huh? The story... You've seen that, that picture, and perhaps you were here this last week in one of the five times that we presented the story. God's story. It started before the beginning of time when he chose to create the galaxies and our planet, as you know. And Easter weekend is the hinge point, may I suggest, of all history. Now, hundreds of thousands of people had gathered in Jerusalem that Easter that we celebrate all around the world today. If you live or you visit here in this part of Wisconsin very often, may I suggest that Passover was not unlike what Memorial Day weekend or Fourth of July weekend is like around here. <laughs> People came from everywhere for Passover. Some were there uh, just for that week. Some were business people who knew there was money to be made with all of these people coming in. Some who lived there were glad to have them for a day or two and anxious to see them go because they were overwhelming their city. What most people didn't know, what was, what was happening in that city was redefining history. Most people didn't see the man beaten almost to a pulp carrying his cross on what some would call even today the Via Dolorosa all the way up that hillside. 
a few people saw him die. A very few people saw the empty tomb. A few more saw the resurrected Jesus. The story, as you, told, as you know, is told for us in the first four books of the New Testament. You know the Easter story, so I'm not going to retell it to you this morning. Instead, we're going to look at a couple of things, and then we're going to hear from some people this morning in, whom's, in whose life the Easter story has made a difference. Dr. Luke tells us in the Gospel of Luke that on that Easter Sunday, there were two guys walking along the road from Jerusalem to the small town of Emmaus, about six or seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were discussing all the things that had happened that weekend. A third guy came up and started walking with them. Uh, whether they didn't even look at him or uh, for some reason they didn't recognize him. And he asked them after walking with them for a while, so what are you talking about? And they stopped and said, where have you been? Haven't you heard all that happened here in Jerusalem this weekend? So they began to explain it to him about Jesus and the crucifixion. And then they said... There's even a few women who have suggested that they went early this morning to the tomb. They knew where to go because they had watched his body buried and the stone was rolled away and his body was gone. And we don't know what to make of it. The third guy that had, was walking along with these two said, well, maybe I can help you with that a little bit. And he began, Dr. Luke tells us, to explain the events of Easter weekend starting all the way back in the Old Testament. They were amazed that this guy, whoever he was, knew so much about the Bible and what had happened. Well, evidently, they arrived near to Emmaus, and the two said to the new traveler, Hey, why don't you just have dinner with us? When's the last time you did that, invited a total stranger to have dinner with you? He did. And Dr. Luke tells us, may, may I read you one verse from Luke chapter 24? It's verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. He was, in fact, the risen Jesus Christ, who had been walking along with them. They saw him with their own eyes. They'd heard him explain it to them. They ran back to Jerusalem and told the other 11 who had gathered there. And while they were talking, suddenly the risen Jesus appeared among them. Some of them then told others. They then were faced with the decision, since I haven't seen him with my own eyes, am I willing to believe those who say they have? And then, of course, there were those who started hearing it third-hand and fourth-hand. And so my question for you and for me today, I've written it for you there in your notes that are in your worship folder. What is the evidence of the truth and the power of Easter that you have seen. I'm assuming that there's nobody in this room who has with your own eyes seen the risen Jesus. If you have, I'd love to see your hand. Get your autograph and hear the story. I'm assuming there's nobody in this room who has met someone who claims they have seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ with their own eyes and have heard the story. So you see, what it does is it leaves all of us in this conundrum. Is that a word that you can translate with sign language? Conundrum? If it is, in fact, the most significant event in all history, but you cannot verify it with your eyes, you can't speak to anybody who actually saw it happen, what are we left with? You see, my friends, all of those people who had gathered for Passover, 
They'd come to celebrate an event that defined a people, Jewish people. Those people, they were defined by biology. Their DNA was able to be traced back to one of the 12 tribes of Israel, for most of them. Or they were defined by their culture. Uh, they, they had a specific diet. Uh, they believed in, in a number of special, special social customs. They, they dressed differently than other people. Their economy functioned different from other people. They only worked six days. They took the seventh day off, called it a Sabbath. Uh, their religion defined them. They believed and they worshipped in the one true God called Jehovah God. But with Easter, watch this now. With Easter, God opened up his arms to say, it's not just Jewish people that I'm reaching to. I'm reaching to any person. Biology is replaced with belief. If you believe in the truth of the resurrection, your life will be changed. Culture is replaced with a true life change by the power of the risen Jesus Christ who has touched your life. And religion is replaced with relationship. That's the difference between Passover and Easter. So, I ask again, what is the evidence today, 2014, that you have that Easter has really happened? For me, one of the most powerful evidences of Easter is people whose lives have been changed and who sometimes do amazing things only because they believe God has led them to do that. I'd like you to meet one. Dan Bora, would you mind coming to join me, my friend, on the platform? And if you'd like to bring your son with you or your daughter, that'd be great. Bring your whole family, that'd be wonderful. Now, now this is a wonderful-looking young family, aren't they? Uh, the truth is they've already raised one family. Come on up. But, but because of the difference that Jesus has made in their lives, they began to be burdened for little children from China. God stirred so deeply in your heart, didn't he? It's already on, Brother Dan. Yeah, you are, among others, the living evidence of the power of the resurrection, that you would open up your arms in your home to adopt children from a faraway place. Yes, we are. As Pastor said, we have already Hold it up close, brother. We have already raised um, uh, two children. Clay is uh, 29, and my, my daughter, Mandy, is uh, 25. And uh, they're married. We have three, three grand, excuse me, grandchildren. So in addition to that, in about 2004 or five, we... Uh, and a burden to go to China and adopt Katie. And um, she, uh, she's she knows all about it. If you talk to her, she'll tell you she's on a plane and everything. So um, we're wide open on that. But we, every year, we uh, celebrate Chinese New Year, and we celebrate that culture as well as ours. But uh, we got her, and uh, going into it, um, I've talked about me personally. I, I was more around, we've been given much. We need to use that for, to help others. And as I came out of both of these adoptions, it was more around the blessing God gave us. Mm -hmm. So uh, went through a lot of things during that process. How are we going to pay for it? God gave, gave those funds. Um, what are we going to do when we get them? How do you raise, you know, these kind of things? We find out that we don't stress about the things that we stress about on the first two because we've already been through it. We kind of know how it's going to come out. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, um, Katie was 14 months when we adopted her. And then we went back, and Lori talked to me. Oh, it was two or three years later and said, I want to get another one. You know? <laughs> awesome. You know, let's go. And um, so we, uh, we met, and um, 
Only one of us was over 50 at the time. I won't tell you which one because it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, anyways. That's uh, wise, that, brother. That's yeah, wise. exactly. Uh, so then we went through the adoption process, and there was there's a lot of rules around that. And uh, we prayed for uh, a certain age child. We prayed for a boy or girl. didn't matter. And uh, when we went to the adoption agency, they said, you're not going to be able to do that. And after about two hours of debating that, I just said, you know what? We're going to trust God. He's either going to give us, you know, the child of, of his choice or he won't. So I'm okay with that. Well, lo and behold, it wasn't too much longer. All of a sudden, here's a two-year-old boy um, that uh, we couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, Katie's sweet and, and calm and kind, and he's nothing except for right now, perpetual motion. <laughs> so I've had to lose a lot of weight to keep up with him, or maybe he helped me lose a lot of weight. But at the end of the day, God has been so good to us. Um, God is faithful all the time is what we went into it with. And then coming out of it, he worked, he worked through so many things. His uh, shovel's bigger than our bucket. <laughs> that's, that's a good that's, way to um, say it. A Texas saying, so I'm from Texas. But uh, that's, that's what we really came out with. And God will provide what we need. And it's been a blessing for us as a family. And um, both are PKs. She was an evangelist daughter, and I was a preacher kid. And I was probably the, the example of the bad preacher kid. And he was a good one. But at the end of the day, all the things that we learned during our, our bringing really brought us to this place and has really been a blessing to us. And our family is uh, way more blessed than if we could. We, we'd go get a couple more, but uh, maybe that'll happen. Who knows? So any, at now, the end of the day, that's, uh, that's been a blessing for us. Now, Dan, from where I'm standing and those who are close here in the front couple of rows can see that Colin's right ear yeah. is... Uh, He's a special needs There child. is no ear there, right. and so there's a special need. So not Absolutely. only has God opened your hearts to receive a child from another nation, but now a special needs child. That's yes. a very special touch of God. So we're, we, you know, we, we pray, and God will bring us through what we need to do for that, but uh, there's nothing yeah. other than that that's special needs about him. He's 100% <laughs> boy, 100% three. Amen. So. Would you join me in praising God for this family? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. Now, I'm suggesting that that is the tangible evidence of Easter. A, a man and a woman whose heart has been so deeply touched by the love of God in their hearts that they're willing to love somebody else's child from halfway around the world, even a special needs child. So I ask again, what do you see is the evidence in your life or your world of the resurrection power of God unleashed at Easter time. Has your life been changed in some way? Has the lives of the people around you that you know been changed in some way? Dr. Luke tells us in the very next verse in that Luke chapter 24, these two men asked each other when they were sitting at the table, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. The Old Testament, as you may know, my friends, is, is written primarily to explain the story of humanity and particularly the journey of the Jewish people. The New Testament is written primarily to tell you the story of the resurrection and how it changed people in our world. Three of the men who were eyewitness disciples, Matthew, John, and Peter, have written books of the New Testament in part to remind us, tell us of the truth of the resurrection and how it changed their lives. Dr. Luke was a Gentile physician. As far as we know, he never met Jesus, but he interviewed all of those who had 
And he wrote Luke's Gospel, from which I'm reading today, and the book of Acts that explained how the resurrection of Jesus changed a whole city and a nation and sent people out around the world. Mark was just a young teenager, but he had met Jesus, and then he traveled with Paul and later with Peter. Paul, you may remember that Paul was a genius. <laughs> He'd studied to be a rabbi. He was among those religious leaders who had condemned Jesus to death. He hated him and was determined to see him killed and every other person who followed him until he met the risen Jesus. And then his life so changed, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. And every single one of them is proclaiming the powerful truth of Easter and how it changed his life and can change anybody's life. James and Jude were half-brothers of Jesus who didn't believe he was who he claimed to be while he was alive. But then their lives changed. So, what happens when you read the Bible? Any part of the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, where you're seeing poured out in the words the people whose lives have been changed by the power of Easter. Does something happen to you in your mind, in your heart, as you're overwhelmed by the power of the living Word of God? Is it another evidence for the power of Easter? Greg Ingersoll, could I invite you to come and join me, my brother? Another man in who I see the evidence of the power of the resurrection. And I know for a fact that God's Word means a lot to you and has impacted your life. There's been so many things that have proven to you the power of Easter can give us a taste of how it's changed your life. Amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. That verse has come alive to me. Mm. My wife and I had the privilege a month ago going on our first mission trip together. <laughs> that changes lives, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, to a place that you hold dear, Haiti. How do I love my neighbor in Haiti? Mm. When I don't speak their language, mm. I'm a lot bigger than most of them. My skin is different color. Tuesday that we arrived on our first full day there. Our day of our word of the day was love. We woke up to angelic voices singing. <laughs> and as we all got up and we walked through the orphanage and we saw kids playing and running, my eyes met this little boy. <laughs> And his face lit up with a big smile. I didn't know how to say, what is your name or my name is, so I just tapped myself on the chest and said, I'm Greg. And I motioned to him, what's your name? And I didn't get a response. And so I said it again, and then another little boy grabbed me on the arm and he made some motions, and I realized that this boy was deaf. Hmm. So now I've got a barrier of size, skin color, language, and he can't hear. Hmm. I, don't, I don't do sign language. I don't understand the language. You can ask the Copelands. They, they understand. I write on my piece of paper. <laughs> and uh, so I've got several barriers, but I have the love of Jesus Christ in me. Amen. I remember when I was probably the same age as this little boy about 10 years old, and my dad 
taught me alphabet in sign language in sign language and a few times I had spelled my name um, but I certainly didn't know how to communicate in sign language but between this little boy writing on grabbing my arm and writing on my arm his name and then teaching me how to say it his name is Jefferson <laughs> And I did the same with him, and I wrote my name on there, and my name is Greg. And he corrected me as I spelled my own name. <laughs> <laughs> but what took place there, folks, is barriers were broken down immediately. Not because of me, mm. but because I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. All my soul, all my. Mm. Now I want to learn how to love my neighbors. Mm. And this little ten-year-old boy, Jefferson, I fell in love with that day, mm. on March fourth, two thousand fourteen. Mm. And brother, you said Scripture comes alive. Boy, I've been pouring into this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. That day, God's love was perfected in me. Mm. To be able to reach out to this little boy, to love him, to grab a hold of him, to play with him, to communicate with him, and build a love relationship mm. that's built on Jesus Christ's love mm. and life. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. Would you join me in praising God for Greg? That's real, that God helps a man, loves somebody entirely different from him. Have you ever thought about what it might have been like if you'd had a chance to run frantically that morning in response to the ladies telling you that they'd been to the tomb and it was empty? Put yourself in the sandals for one minute and watch this. It's a fresh perspective on running to the empty tomb that morning. Zach? Don't you love that? So why do you suppose they were laughing? Maybe they were remembering some of the other miracles that Jesus had done. Maybe they were thinking about, what does this mean about the future? That's why I wrote for you on the front of the program, the worship photo that you received when you came in. Do you see what I wrote? No weekend in human history is more significant than Easter. The events of this weekend, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, are unique in all history. Do you agree with that? The impact of that first Easter on human history is unsurpassed by any other event. Do you agree with that? The number of people whose lives have been transformed by the risen Jesus Christ is incalculable. So the question, how do you describe the importance of Easter in your life story? You see, everybody who wrote about it wrote expecting it's going to change your life. So I want to invite two more people, Larry Wassell, and Erica Moore, would you come for a moment, please? Larry, brother, would you come? And Erica. Here's two more people among hundreds sitting in this room whose life has been changed by the power of the resurrection. In this case, in a lot of ways, including a willingness to move your family into Agape House. The power of the resurrection has changed your life. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say 
the Bible is filled with promises, and when Jesus overcame death, um, it was proof that to me and to my family that he is who he says he is, and he, he'll do what he says he'll do, and the Bible is just filled with promises, and those promises um, in the Bible give us so much hope for our life and for our family. Um, we just we want to share that hope with people who don't feel like they have hope for another day. Mm. And I know for a fact, because you and I correspond so often, and I pray almost every day for you, Brother Larry, that what that has meant practically for you and your dear wife and your two little girls is moving into Agape House, which most folks in this room would know is a home in our area for teens who, for what a lot of reasons, can't be at home. Teens facing difficult stuff in their lives, teen girls, and you and your wife not only raising your kids, but now seeking to bring hope to those girls because of the power of the resurrection unleashed in your life. Yeah, we just want to, um, well, it's my wife mostly. I don't take any credit. I'm just up here. But uh, we just want to share that hope with those girls. And for, you know, a lot of these girls, um, they don't feel like they have a reason to hope. Hmm. And we all sang it this morning. Um, my hope can rest on Christ alone. Amen. And um, weak, weak people made strong. And we just want to share that. Thank you, my brother, for living out the reality of Easter in Agape House. Would you join me in praising God for Larry and Becky? Thank you, Erica, for being willing to spare just a minute with us this morning. You can just look at me and not look at them. It'd be all right. Nobody's out there. Nobody's out there. How has the power of Easter impacted your life? Um, well, in years past, um, especially um, since I've had children, um, and the Passion of the Christ that mm. Justin had come out with years ago, um, I made it um, an effort to watch that as painful as it was. Mm, powerful movie. Yeah, yeah the Passion just to, of the Christ. Because I focused on the sacrifice. Mm. It wasn't just the picture that we see in Sunday school. Mm. Um, and that it just helped me appreciate what a sacrifice he'd always mm. um, had made for us. And I knew he had risen, and I knew he was alive, and I'd seen him work in my life. I have four beautiful children. The miracle you know, of children is enough. Um, but what changed this year, where my focus is more on he's risen, he's alive, is that I got to be on the medical mission trip as well to Haiti last month. And it changed my life forever. And um, I went down there. Um, sorry. <laughs> Just saying, God, if I shouldn't go, I have four young kids. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, Katie isn't Disney. Yeah. Um, please close those doors. Yeah. And I thought he did in January when our team went, got on the plane. We were all the way in O'Hare on a plane, and they said, we just need to refuel, and we're out of here. And then because of those lovely polar vortexes or whatever, everything froze up. We couldn't refuel. And I felt like that maybe was God saying, Erica, mm -hmm. thank you for being obedient. But no, you don't need to go. Mm. Um, and I was sad because I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, I had a great group of people that we were going. So the thought of rescheduling and childcare and work schedules and all that, God worked. I saw that evidence because we all were able to go. And then we added people, mm. some amazingly integral people, mm. um, to our team. And I saw how necessary it was for us to grow together as a team because when we were down there, mm. I've always, I've, I know the New Testament, and I know the stories here, you know, from a child on about Jesus walking through and the people gathering and the miracles. But 
honestly, it almost sounds too good to be true. Mm. Really? Did he really do that? Mm. I got to see. Um, I, and I got to be a part yeah. of some of that. Um, yeah. The power of God unleashed in the lives of people whose, lives, whose language you can't speak, but you saw it with your own eyes. Yeah, and just how powerful he is. Yeah. Um, I've seen God as love, and I know he's he let us get a taste of the battle that is in all this world. Mm, yeah. And so I didn't just see him because I got to show love to the orphans and give medical care with an amazing group of people. But I got to see his power mm. when um, evil was attacking us. And uh, God prevailed, and we all kind of came together um, in one day in particular. And we were like, did you? that? Did you see that? And we all had little stories, and I felt kind of like a disciple. <laughs> I sound crazy, but yeah. it was amazing, and uh, I come back changed, and I've struggled since I came back because, you know, there are all the distractions. Um, uh, the beautiful, wonderful blessings that we have here, but they're distractions. Yeah. Haiti, it's so raw. Yes. It's wonderfully raw. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage you to seek him. Um, and he takes imperfect people like me <laughs> that don't have it all together yet. But mm. if you seek him, you will find him. He's waiting for us. And then I just want that experience more here yeah. for all of us. So. Me too. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> Thank you. So I have a question for us. What if... What if it's not true? How different would your life and your future be if Easter isn't true? Could I ask you to ponder that question seriously? Not just right now, but throughout this day. How different would your life and your future be if Easter is only a story? And if you would have to honestly say, my life wouldn't be any different if it was only a fable. My future wouldn't be any different. Then you're missing out on God's story. You're missing out on the potential of why you are alive. Because every person, every person, anywhere in the world, who has an actual encounter with the risen Jesus Christ, their life changes. It's never the same again. And they begin to discover the potential of why they're alive in the first place. That's the journey that this church is on and the people who are a part of this church with us. Discovering the adventure of experiencing God's unleashing His resurrection power in your life. It heals broken hearts. It breaks the stronghold of, of sin and addiction, lust, anger, hatred, unforgiveness. It restores, like you never would have imagined, a new life in relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. And you actually experience living life, as Jesus said, walking the journey with him. His presence with you. 
his power with you. And as you approach the end of your earthly journey, the assurance that heaven awaits you and Jesus himself will escort you into heaven. How different would your life be if Easter was just a story? Why don't we talk to him about that? God, thank you for Easter. It's your idea. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming here. We celebrate that at Christmas. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for living uh, among us. Thank you for going all the way to the cross to pay for our sin. Thank you for not staying dead, for rising from the dead. Thank you for showing yourself to many people and then helping them write the stories. And thank you that you are today alive and well in heaven. And we've heard the stories this morning of the difference that you're making in people's lives right here in Walworth County and in other places. Now, God, in this moment, what would you like to do in the lives of every person in this room? My friends, I want to invite you to have a conversation with God in the next few seconds, privately, quietly. The God who made you, you didn't make yourself. The God who knows you and loves you better than you know or love yourself. Ask him to help you understand the wonder and the power of Easter. If you've struggled as a skeptic, as an atheist, go ahead, put God to the test. Ask him to prove to you that he exists, that he made you, that he loves you, and that the risen Lord Jesus Christ can change your life. If you've never trusted him before, I invite you to do it right now where you're sitting. Invite him to unleash his Easter power into your life.